Let's look at the word together this morning there in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. We've been going through this letter for a few months now. And as we have seen, Paul longs for the church to be different. He longs for the church literally to be the light of the world, as Jesus says, that they would shine in the darkness. They wouldn't just bleed in with the culture and, and bleed in with what everyone else is doing, but that the church would be different, that the community, this new covenant community that we learned about last week would, would be different. You see, in the world, there's, there's a lot of groups that do good things. There's a lot of groups that do good things, but the church is different in that it seeks to glorify God and love people. That it seeks to glorify God and love people. And the difference in all that is spiritual. The difference is literally, as we're going to see this morning, it's supernatural. It's a God thing. And the church is to stand out as different. And so, as we're going to see this morning, that God, the Holy Spirit, works in the church. He works in the church for the glory of God and the common good of others, for, for the good of others. And so, if you would do this with me this morning, um, David read all of uh, the, fir- the 13 verses this morning, and we're going to look at those, but what we're going to do this morning is look at one verse to kind of direct our time this morning through this text. And so, if you would, look at verse 7 there in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at this verse, because this is going to kind of set us up for what we're going to look at today. It says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I love that verse. It's kind of tucked right in the middle there this morning of, of what we're looking at. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, for the common good. Good. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at four things, okay? First, each one. Who's that? Who, who, who are these ones that Paul is speaking about? Who are they? Second, the Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? We're going to look briefly at that this morning. And then third, this idea of manifestation. What is that word? What, what does that mean for us as the church? What does that look like? And then lastly, the common good of others. So we're going to look at that this morning to help us understand what is Paul saying to the church in Corinth where he longs for them to be different, that they are a new covenant community we saw last week, but not only this week, we're going to see they are a spiritual, supernatural community. And so the first thing I want us to see is each one. Who is this each one? Well, if we go back up to verse one, listen to what Paul says. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware and so he's speaking to the church, that, that word brethren right there, he's talking about brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We are a family. We are the body of Christ. We are a new covenant community. And so he is speaking to the church. So in verse 7, where it says each one, he's talking about the church. And what's his desire, what's his heart for the church is that they would not be unaware, that they would not be ignorant, that they would not be um, uh, uninformed about spiritual gifts or the spiritual life or what marks a spiritual life lived out here on earth. He doesn't want them to be unaware of that. So what is he saying is that the church is to be disciple. They're to be learners. They're to to seek out these things that they do not know. And so Paul says they're uninformed. 
that they're, they're ignorant on the things of the spiritual life, specifically here, even spiritual gifts. So he wants them to be taught. He wants them to be trained. In Jesus' heart, that was his heart for us, for his people. Matthew 10, 25, Jesus says this. He says, it is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. And so we are to grow. We, we are to seek to be like Jesus Christ, to, to learn about who he is and about how he wants us to live out our faith. And so the church is to grow and to be trained in these things, to understand the marks and the characteristics of a spiritual person, to understand the gifts that the Holy Spirit has granted to us, how we are to use those for the glory of God and for the good of all people. Now, why does Paul saying that they are uninformed? Well, he looks back to their background, their history, And he does that in verse 2. Listen to what he says. They used to be pagans. It says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. See, many of the Corinthians came from a pagan lifestyle. Um, This word pagan is is interesting. And when I was in Africa back in 2008, um, I was visiting villages. And we were going and praying with people. We were sharing the gospel with people. And as we would encounter people, we would hear about their spiritual backgrounds. We would hear about where they were when it came to Jesus Christ. And many would say that they were maybe an unbeliever, that they didn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. But there were few that we would encounter, and they would say this. They would say, you know, I'm pagan. I'm pagan. Kind of drawing a difference from just someone who didn't believe, they were saying they were Pagan. Pagan specifically is one who practices uh, a life that um, is not of God, um, involved in, in maybe some evil practices. And specifically here, Paul says that they were involved in idolatry. And so we've seen that throughout this letter. And so what it means is, is before they came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Paul says here they were led into idolatry by various influences. And so what influenced them before was the enemy, Satan himself. Uh, Before we come to Christ, that's whose influence we are under, whether we know it or not. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 1, that this is what we were before we came to know Christ, before the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. The Bible says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that now is working in the sons of disobedience. So what that mean is that there was a different spirit, a different influence was at work before in their life, and it was the work of the enemy. And they were walking in disobedience. That's what influenced us before, but an influence has now impacted our life that is different for the good. And so look at verse 3. Listen to what he says about this group of the church. He says, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says that Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You see, the people in Corinth had a life-changing experience when they came to know Jesus Christ. And Paul says, Jesus is now Lord of their life. But how did they come to that? How did they come to now declare that Jesus is Lord? He says, by the Holy Spirit. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He points people to Jesus Christ. He leads people to Christ to where now they follow him. Instead of being under the influence of the enemy and and, and the way of the world, 
the lust of the flesh. Now they're under the lordship of Jesus Christ as they trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Paul says that only happens by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, those who declare, those who say that Jesus is Lord, it's a work of God. It's a work of God. But it's not just in word. It's not just talk. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he will enter. So it's not just talk, right? It's a changed life. It's a change in what influences us, who influences us. Now it's Christ influencing us. It's the Holy Spirit influencing us. It's not just word, but now it's a changed life. And so the Holy Spirit leads this group, this each one that Paul is talking about, under his control to live for the honor and the glory of Jesus Christ. And this is the ultimate mark of the Holy Spirit's activity that we're going to learn about this morning, is to exalt Jesus, to make him known in this world. Now the next word, all right, I want to look at this morning. So the each one, that's the church, right? That they're a supernatural community. They've had their lives changed, and now they're influenced by Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is Lord. And this is all the work of the Holy Spirit. Now look at this next word, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. To look at that, I want us to look at verse 4. The Holy Spirit, as we look at Scripture, we see God in three separate persons, right? From the very beginning, in fact, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we have this beautiful conversation of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where they say to one another, let us make man, let us make man in our image, right? And then we see throughout the Bible, as God is revealed in the, as the Father, as the Son, Jesus Christ, and also the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, he is a person. Jesus talks about him in John 14. He also talks about him in John 16. In fact, in John 16, Jesus says in verse 7 uh, to his disciples, he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to raise again on the third day. He's going to ascend to heaven. And so he's telling them that. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away and that the Holy Spirit, the helper, comes to now live with you. But not only with you, but we're going to find out in Acts chapter 2 that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit now comes and starts indwelling those who now call on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. And so that is the Holy Spirit. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And so listen to how Paul talks about the Spirit in this text. He says in verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Okay, so he says, hey, there's, there's one spirit, but there's a variety. There's many different gifts that the spirit gives. And so though the Holy Spirit is one, he gives different gifts to different believers. And so what is this word gift? What does that mean? It's different abilities that enable a person who knows Jesus Christ to glorify God and to serve God here in this world. And so the Holy Spirit gives these gifts freely and graciously. And then look at verse 5. 
and there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. And so the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, also gives different ministries and services and different opportunities to the church to glorify God and to love people. Even as I was sitting up here this morning, I was thinking about that. I was like, man, with Vince and Erica and Melissa and just the different opportunities, different ministries, and and that's what God gives to us, and that's what the Holy Spirit gifts to us for the glory of God and the good of all people, for for loving people. And then look at verse 6. Not only that, there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. What's this idea of the varieties of effects? What that means is there are different manifestations or showings, you could say, of the Spirit's power at work. But I think what Paul wants us to understand here is that God is behind it. God is behind it. He's responsible for it. He's responsible for one's abilities and giftedness. He's responsible for the opportunities. He's responsible for the individual ways that we get to minister. And ultimately, he's responsible for the results as well. And so Paul says, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting. If you maybe haven't been with us um, before as we've walked through this letter of Corinthians, um, if you think about to the last few weeks, if you have been with us, what, what has Paul been doing? I mean, he's had to address things like immorality, idolatry. He's had to address um, these guys going to pagan feast and, and eating meals uh, and, and, and giving themselves over to idolatry, worshiping other gods. So he's had to address over, uh, all these things. And now it seems in this chapter he's saying, listen, this is what you were made for. This is what you were created uh, this is what you now become a new creation in Jesus Christ for, is to experience this, is experience this. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He has gifted us, and he wants us to use us here in this world for the glory of God and the love of all people. And I think ultimately that's what God's love looks like, is that we get to join God in making much of him in this world. And he does it through the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, two more words we're going to look at. The next word is manifestation. We don't talk about this a lot, um, this word. um, But what does this word mean? Back in verse 7, I want to read that verse again. But to each one, the church, is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. And so the reason the Holy Spirit gives these gifts, that we're going to talk about in just a few moments, the reason he gives ministry The reason he gives this effectiveness is so he will be manifested. He would be put on display. He would be seen or shown in the church with the main goal of glorifying Jesus Christ, exalting Christ. So it's not about us. It's not a show. It's not about someone's name. All right? It it is about Jesus alone. And so Paul's saying this is a supernatural work. It's all by the grace of God. It's all by the Holy Spirit. It's not based on self-reliance, okay? But it's all about Christ. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he's gonna manifest himself. He's gonna show himself through the church. So Paul, how are you gonna do that? How's the Holy Spirit gonna do that? Well, he's gonna show us nine ways that the Holy Spirit is showing himself, I believe, in the church at Corinth, specifically, right? but really throughout the church. 
And so look at verse 8. He's going to give nine gifts that are seen, right? We're not going to look at all of them separately. We're going to look at some together. And this is not an exhaustive list of all spiritual gifts. But I think what Paul is saying here is, this is these are gifts that he has seen in the church at Corinth. Okay? And so look at what he says in verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, so that's one, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So when we think about wisdom and knowledge as gifts, we need to understand as believers, we all have wisdom. We all have knowledge. We've come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, we all now have wisdom from the Holy Spirit. But he's saying here there's also the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge. And that could be um, the gift of, of wisdom in the sense of, of, of making a right decision or, or making a right action to do something. Um, it, it maybe is uh, the ability to resolve a difficult spiritual uh, issue. Uh, as well. And, and so it's, it's wisdom, it's knowledge. I, I have guys in my life that I turn to, right, that I know that they have the gifting of, of wisdom in specific areas, and so I turn to them. I turn to them, and I ask them when I'm going through difficult times or if there's a problem I'm going through, that, hey, I turn to them and seek knowledge from them. Um, and so Paul says there's that. Those are two. Then look at verse 9. He says, to another, faith by the same Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is gives all these gifts, and here is faith. And you might be saying, wait a second, don't all believers have faith? Yeah, right? That mustard seed of faith, right? We all have faith. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, um, 8 and 9, it, it says, it is by grace through faith that we are saved. By grace through faith. So we all have faith, but this is a gift of faith. It, it, it's a gift of trusting in God. Um, some believers have this more in the sense that God has given them the ability to trust God um, more, maybe in certain situations, uh, maybe than others. And so it's kind of like wisdom and knowledge as well. These people maybe have more trust, okay? And, and so they have these, these gifts, and it's supernatural, supernatural. Um, I, I love these people that, that have this gift of faith where, man, they are so encouraging, Right? They're so encouraging, and, and they encourage our faith, our faith. Then look at the fourth one. Look at verse 9 toward the end. And to another, gifts of healing by one spirit, and to another, the affecting effects of miracles or the works of power, all right? I'm going to put these two together at the end of verse 9 and verse 10. And so some will say when you read here that these gifts of healing or these, these gifts of miracles, these works of power, some will say they're, they're not available anymore. Now, it's, for me, it's interesting because I'm like, well, then why would Paul speak to this to a church and say, well, those aren't available, but he'd speak to it, right? To, to me, that, I, that doesn't line up in my train of thought there. So, so I, I struggle a little bit with that. Um, I, I believe this was for the church then and for the church now, right? That the God has, has gifted people with the gift of healing and the gift of these works of power, these miracles. And so what does that mean? What does that mean? I think it looks at different, some different ways. I think, first of all, I think it's encouragement to us all to pray for healing, to pray for healing. Um, God is, is the healer. He ultimately heals people. And so we, we pray for that. 
okay? Um, when you look at Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, there were times when people were healed and times when people were not. You see him praying for uh, a man who's crippled and he's healed. You see a demonized little girl healed. You see many throughout Ephesus healed, the Bible tells us. You see also this man who falls out of a window dead. And Paul prays over him, and the man is healed. It's all by the power of God. It's supernatural, right? It's supernatural. God does that. Healing, I think, also looks like this. It's, it's emotional healing. It's healing marriages. Um, ultimately, it's spiritual healing. Ultimately, what people need is to know that we are all sick with sin and that we're all separated from God. And ultimately what we need, we need spiritual healing. We need to know Jesus Christ. And so we pray for healing, right? We ask God, heal this person. It may be physically. It may be spiritually. It may be emotionally. It may be through grief that they're going through, right? It's one of the things I, I love about our grief share on, on Wednesday night. There's healing going on in that room as they're praying for one another, they're caring for one another, as those who have walked through um, um, seasons of, of death, of losing a loved one. There's healing going on in that room. Counselors, that's the work of healing. God uses them. Um, that's what God is doing. And so, yeah, th this is definitely present, and God is using people in this way to bring healing. Here's the key to these things. I, I think these gifts sometimes, they can get... Uh, blown out of proportion. They get misused. Uh, we've seen people misuse them, and ultimately what, how they're misused is it's for self-exaltation. Every gift is for the ex exaltation of Jesus Christ, ultimately. And then look at verse 10, the end, to another prophecy. What's prophecy? In this sense, what Paul is talking about, simply declaring the word of God, Right? It's speaking the word of God. It's teaching the word of God. That's what Paul has in mind. Then, the end of verse uh, 10, he also says, to another, the distinguishing of spirits. What's that? I believe that's the gift of discernment, right? We, we all know people maybe around us that just have that gift of discernment, right? I have someone near and dear to me who has the gift of discernment. I love it, all right? I love it. I don't necessarily have that gift as much as they do, but they have that, and, and I love it. They can distinguish between um, what's genuine and what's counterfeit, and, and, and that's so important. And then look at the end of verse uh, 12 as well. To another, various kinds of tongues. Now, we're going to look at this over the next few weeks because he's going to get into it in chapter 13 and chapter 14, and we'll dig into a little bit of, of what this is. But the gift of tongues about which Paul was talking about um, here is more so the ability to speak in one or more languages um, that the speaker had not learned. And so a prime example of this, if you go back to Acts 2, we see that. We see that present, right? We see that. And also the ability to understand languages as well. It seems, though, and we'll address this in weeks ahead, but it seems, though, the languages did not seem to be limited to human languages. You might be saying, well, well what does that mean, right? Well, look at chapter 13, verse 1. It says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love. I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, right? The key to all of this, though, nevertheless, is this language was intelligible that Paul was talking about with interpretation. 
And so they were not gibberish. They were, they were for the goal of building up the, and encouraging and edifying the church. That was the goal of all the gifts, but even this one. And then look at the last one. He says, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Um, it was a person who had the ability to interpret these languages. They could translate what a tongue speaker said accurately so others present could know the meaning of what he or she said. And so Paul says, this is how the, the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself, showing himself in the church. And then look at verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. Everything he said, verse 8, 9, and 10. He says he works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. And so that's the idea of the supernatural. God is working through his Spirit. He's giving these gifts to the church, to each person as he determines. For the glory of God and for the good of all people. Now, I want us to look at this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Listen to what this scripture says. It'll be up on the screen. I'm just going to look at the first part. It says, as each one, there's that idea of each one. He's talking about the church, has received a special gift. Here's what he says, employ it. Employ it. In serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Here's what I think what Peter is saying, and what Paul has in mind as well, is every believer is given spiritual gifts. Every believer. We're to put him into action. We're to put him in action. Someone might be in here today and say, well, man, I don't, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, right? And I'm going to address that here in a little bit as well, but here's, here's what I would say. It, it's, it's not so much of just trying to figure that out, right? I think it's more so of getting off the bench, right, and getting the game and say, Lord, here I am. I, I want to serve. I, I want to serve, and I want to help, and I want to I help people. I want to love people. I want to point people to Jesus Christ. And a lot of times what I've seen as people just say, hey, I want to step out, and I want to help, and this was true of my life, especially in my early 20s, is I started finding out as I was just helping serve, helping serve, caring for people, pointing people to Jesus, God started showing me just, just different gifts that he had blessed me with through the Holy Spirit. And, and as I was serving, I would have so much joy in these specific areas. And he was showing me, Jerry, th this is where I've gifted you at. I want, I want you to um, grow in these things. And as I was, I would be more joyful and, and was so happy in the Lord in doing these things. And so I want to encourage you, like Peter says right here, employ it. Serve others. And then lastly, look at this last word, the common good, right? So verse 7, he says, But to each one, the church is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for what reason? For the common good, right? For the common good. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts to show himself for the glory of God, to put God on display, and ultimately to help us do good as the church to each other to love each other well, to love others as well in this world. And if you think about it, these really are the same pursuits. If you want good for people, what do you do? You show God to them. You tell them about Jesus. If at the same time you show God to someone, what are you doing? You're doing good for them. 
These are the same pursuits. And so spiritual gifts are for strengthening others. They're for encouraging others. Paul says this in Romans chapter 1, 11 through 12. He says, for I long to see you, as he's talking to the church in Rome, that I may come to you and impart some spiritual gift to you. Here's what he means. I want to come and give you the benefits of, of what I've been gifted with. I want to come and bless you that you may be established or strengthened. That is, that I may uh, be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. You know what Paul is saying here? Paul's saying, I, I long to be with you. Why? So that your faith could be strengthened. Your faith could be encouraged. So that when troubles come, when things get hard, that you will not lose faith. So I love Paul's attitude here. Paul's attitude here um, was not whether or not he had this gift or not. Paul's attitude was simply this. How can I encourage your faith? How can I help? And that's what our heart should be. How can I encourage someone's faith? How can I help someone? How can I be there for someone? That's what Paul did. I think that's what God ultimately wants us to do. And so when we think about this idea of a spiritual gift, a spiritual gift is ultimately an expression of faith which aims to strengthen the faith of others. It is activated faith in us and aims for faith in others. You see, spiritual gifts are abilities given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively in word, but also in deed for the strengthening up of someone else's faith in Jesus Christ. So as we're trusting God and his promises, God uses that with the work of the Holy Spirit to strengthen the faith of others. Ultimately, when I go back and read over this text, I ask this question, Paul, what what can I walk away with as I read this? What can I walk away with? And I go to verse 3. I go to verse 3, and I go to that last part of verse 3 where he says, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It makes me think that what Paul is talking about here is what the lordship of Jesus Christ really looks like. What does his spiritual life look like? Well, one, it's only possible by the Holy Spirit. It's a God thing. God is the one who begins to work in us. As he begins to work on our heart and point us toward Jesus Christ, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's unexplainable. It's hard to put in words, but it's a work that he does, and he leads us to trust in his son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior of our life, and we begin to follow him. And as we begin to grow as the church, and be discipled and learn. We, we start learning what, what the marks of this life, the characteristics of this spiritual life are supposed to look like, how we're supposed to walk. And we start learning that, that man, we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and for the love of others. And, and, and God gives us this heart to say, hey, how can I help? How can I encourage your faith? And we start putting those things into action in many different ways as the Holy Spirit has gifted the church. And here's the thing. It, we are one, right? But we are many. We are the church. 
And the work that God is doing here is a supernatural work. He doesn't want it to be just something we can do, something we can muster up. But he wants us to trust and depend on him and rely on the power of his spirit to work in and through us. And one thing that I have noticed in in my life is that when I seek to simply obey Christ and love others and care for others well, that the Holy Spirit will take that heart that I have to be obedient and care for others, he will take that and he'll begin to work. As I walk obedient with him, as I walk faithfully with him, when it's not about me, but when it's about God and his glory and about helping others and serving others, God begins to work. And that's what he wants for the church. And so today, if you're here and, man, you read that part in verse 3 where it says that the Holy Spirit gives us that ability to say that Jesus is Lord, I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever confessed Jesus as your Lord? Could you walk out of here today and say, yes, Jesus is Lord in my life. He is the one influencing my life. He is the great influencer of my life. He is the savior of my life. Could you say that emphatically today? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Well, Romans 10.9 says that we're to confess that Jesus is Lord with our mouth. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We're trusting and believing in what Christ did for us on the cross and the resurrection, conquering the grave, that that's for us. And that if we believe in that, he will forgive our sins. And he will grant to us eternal life. And we can follow him as Lord of our life. And so if you've never done that today, I I just want to encourage you that to trust in Jesus, to trust in him as Lord and Savior of your life. Church, now let's be encouraged today to, to not live, right, for self, but for the glory of God and for the common good of others. And let's put into action, let's employ the gifts that God has given us to encourage and strengthen the faith of others. All right, let me pray for you.